0: Welcome to the inaugural season of the Brew and Shaver Sports Podcast, where for 30 minutes once a week, we talk about all the things that make us love sports, the games, the rivalries, and of course, the personalities. We are stoked that you're listening. And now, here's Ben and Darren. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to our final Episode for January of 2021. Yes, it's the Brew and Shaver Sports Podcast. We are coming back to you. Yes, college football is over, but we still have a lot to talk about. Darren, how are you feeling on this last episode of 2022? How weird does that
1: sound? It, it really does. It's amazing, and we've talked before about how how time flies, and it's just crazy. But you know, the beautiful thing about college football is even though time flies. And even though the season is technically over, there's always something to talk about. So that, that's, a, that's a beautiful thing in and of itself.
0: I wonder, Darren, if there's more conversation in the offseason than the, than there is during the
1: season. Well, you know, I really think I think there's definitely something to that. You know, a couple of the different podcasts that I listen to actually refer to this as talking season. You know, everything that can be done has been done. Now everybody's just going to talk about what has happened, what is happening, and what's going to happen. And the conversation is just constant. So I guess we'll, we'll be a part of talking season.
0: We will. And, of course, there's still football going on. Um, if you're if you just are just really down about college football season being over the NFL playoffs are going on there's a, a terrific weekend this past weekend with b- still big games to come we have the USFL coming and so there's there's definitely more football to watch out there um, uh, and talk about it like we do every week
1: I tell you the NFL stuff this weekend uh, I know I know we focus more on uh, college football but the games this weekend. I mean, there was not a boring game in the bunch. I mean, you know, three of the four were decided by a last the the last play of the game being a field goal, and then the fourth one was decided uh, in overtime. You just you couldn't get up get much better than that for a, for a slate of weekend games.
0: So here's what we have for you today. Um, Darren and I have come up with. Our top five games from this past college football season, and it was hard whittling the list down to just five. So Darren has five games. I've got five games, and we want to talk about those five games and why we put them on the list. Now, I'd love to hear, and so would Darren, we would love to hear from y'all. What was a game that didn't make our list that you thought absolutely was a top five game this past, past year? Because you know, uh, Darren, I'm not, I can't speak for you, but I recognize I'm a little biased on some of these games, and <laughs> I, you know, and, and the fact you and I came up with two different lists that that tells you something right there.
1: Exactly, and 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 you will. Uh my bias definitely comes through on a couple of these. So that's exactly what you said. It'd be fun to hear what other people uh, thought were games that, that maybe were obvious top five choices that, that we don't have in our list. It'd be fun to get some of that feedback.
0: Well, let's get started. So I'll go first, Darren, my, my first uh, of, of, of five games for this past year comes from week number six, October 9th. And that was the red river rivalry. The, the showdown at the Cotton Bowl, Oklahoma, Texas, always a high-stakes game uh, because for both of those schools, success, um, <laughs> your success as a coach is seen. And how did you do against Texas? How did you do against Oklahoma?
1: Absolutely.
0: And, and this was a scoring bonanza. It ended up being Oklahoma 55, Texas 48. But if you remember, Darren, at the end of the first quarter, it was 28-7 to 7, Texas.
1: Right, right.
0: And I know OU fans were stunned watching this. What is going on? And Texas <laughs> fans are saying, Steve Car- Sarkeesian is the best coach ever.
1: I mean, we have found our Bear Bryant. Here we go. <laughs>
0: I think a former Texas quarterback even tweeted – uh sark for for president right. something like that something like uh, that yeah but that game changed and this is why this is why we play the the game until the final whistle um because um we saw some glimmer of hopes uh there was a major change that then OU coach Lincoln Riley made in the uh, in early in the game he he benched Spencer Rattler put in a freshman named Caleb Williams. And in the second quarter on fourth and one, Caleb Williams broke free and ran 66 yards for a touchdown. Um, It still was a long shot for Oklahoma. They were down 38 to 20 to Texas at halftime. Into the third quarter, they had narrowed the gap by 11. And then Oklahoma exploded with 25 points in the fourth quarter. And we can talk about Caleb Williams, 16 for 25, 212 yards, two TDs, a QBR of 97.5. That's all good. But I think the key to this game was a running back named Kennedy Brooks for Oklahoma, ran for 25 times, 217 yards, 8.7 average per carry, two touchdowns, including a long run of of 65. So just if you like – a great college football game. I don't know how you can point at that one and say, "Boy, that was not one of the best games this past season."
1: Absolutely, it, it had everything you look for. It had it had scoring. It had uh, you know intrigue and drama with position changes, and then just straight up, you know, that fourth quarter. Even even as Oklahoma was going on that run, you still were sitting there. You know, there was the the tension of can they pull this off? Can they get all the points they need? It was an exciting game. You know, down to that that final minute.
0: Yeah, a, a lot of fun, a lot of fun. So, so Darren, let's go. What What's your first uh, game that you want to talk about You're out of your top five?
1: I, I tell you what, since you went Oklahoma-Texas, uh, and I will use an, one of the games that I had as, as an Oklahoma game as well, and I'll go ahead and, and put that one in. Very, very similar stories, but it didn't work out the same for Oklahoma as it did in the Texas game. This is November 27th, Oklahoma-Oklahoma State. Uh, the At the end of the first half, uh, the game was tied 24-24. Caleb Williams is having a great game. Uh, the uh, running back that you talked about for Oklahoma, Kennedy Brooks, also having a great game. He went on to have 139 yards. Uh, and then in the second half, Oklahoma comes out and just absolutely takes off, scores nine points during the process of the third quarter, and goes up 33-24. And just kind of like Texas was feeling in the game you were talking about, it looked like Oklahoma uh, had this game uh, won, or at least were, were setting themselves up to, to, to do what they needed to do in the fourth quarter to win. And then... Oklahoma State goes on a 13-0 run, 13 unanswered points in the fourth quarter and ends up pulling out the game 37-33. One of the things that really stands out to me about this game is, first of all, you know, I was on the cowboy wagon all uh, all year, all season just about, so so I had to bring them up in a game. But one of the really intriguing things about this game is when you look at the stats – Everything on the stat sheet tells you that Oklahoma did what they needed to do to win. They had more yards, or more total yards, more passing yards, obviously, more rushing yards. They uh, had no turnovers, uh, or sorry, I'm sorry, uh, K Williams threw no, no fumbles. Uh, they uh, had controlled the ball for 10 minutes more. They ran almost 20 more plays than than uh oklahoma state ran i mean they did everything they needed to to win the game except stop oklahoma state in the fourth quarter uh, and it just it, it amazed me I, I enjoyed this game and it was a very exciting game an incredible fourth quarter just like we were talking about with ou texas oklahoma state comes out on top And it just continues on to to their great season. But looking back on the game, what adds even more to it is the fact that it really, Oklahoma did so much to win that game and just fell short when their defense couldn't step up in that fourth quarter uh, uh, to win it. And and that just adds a little bit more to it in how incredible of a game it was and and how uh, an amazing of a moment it was for Oklahoma State to beat Oklahoma, uh, you know, both Uh, already having having great great? seasons and and we're we're trying to move you know and get get to that big 12 championship and even when things didn't go well for for basically three quarters they stepped up in the fourth quarter and did what they needed to do to win uh and and it was just it was a fun game to watch and 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 neat to see how it all kind of played out
0: yeah and and Caleb Williams you statistically you look at the stat line he had a had a great game oh yes absolutely Brooks had a solid game but The X factor seemed to be the quarterback for Oklahoma State, Spencer Sanders, who, yeah. over 200 yards passing, almost 100 yards rushing. I think yeah. he was the leading rusher for the Cowboys. That yes,
1: game. he was, and accounted for three touchdowns by himself—either uh, throwing uh, two passing and, and one, or I'm sorry, accounted for two touchdowns, one passing and and one rushing. Uh, so he he did a lot to keep that to keep Oklahoma State in that game to to be able to close out in the fourth quarter.
0: Now, is this the game that's become infamous for the press conference, Lincoln Riley
1: afterwards? Yes. Yes. This is the one, <laughs> this, this is the one, this is the, I will not be the coach at LSU. I believe was his famous quote.
0: Which has endeared him to people in Louisiana. <laughs> oh
1: yes, absolutely. He's he's <laughs> definitely one of the
0: favorites in the state.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: that is a great game. So, uh, My number two is uh, I'm staying in week six, October 9th, and we're going to the SEC, Ole Miss-Arkansas. Ole Miss wound up winning by 1.52 to 51 because Sam Pittman made a gutsy call to go for two to win the game. They came up short. That's the one-point difference. But what a terrific game. Um, K.J. Jefferson, the quarterback from Arkansas, 326 yards, three touchdowns. Matt Corral of course we've been talking about Matt Corral throughout the season 287 yards two touchdowns and and then as far as as rushing um, Arkansas had Raheem Sanders with 139 but Ole Miss had two guys go over 100 yards rushing Uh, Henry Parrish Jr. and of course Snoop Conner but what a terrific battle that game was and the fact that Sam Pittman said, "We're going to go out of here with a win. We're not playing for a tie." Um, it just it it, I, it endeared me to to Coach Pittman in that moment. I'm not an Arkansas fan, but I love the gutsy call, and I loved watching the back and forth um, between the coaching staffs. Terrific oh, game. And-
1: and, and you know one of the cool things about Sam Pittman, you talk about being endeared to him. I, you and I both agree, and are and are big, big Sam Pittman fans. And, and I think, really, honestly, even sitting now, if you were able to sit down and talk to him and ask the question, I, I'm willing to guess that that uh, or or bet and and say that he would do the same thing. Sitting in that scenario, even with hindsight being 2020, 20, knowing that that that. that uh, what the likelihood is that you're going to, he would, that if that opportunity, exact opportunity presented itself again, he would go for two again. I, I don't doubt that for a second. I, I really do believe that,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. that he would go for the win every time.
0: Yeah, and, and I love that uh, about him. I, I love yes. that he doesn't second guess. He, he laid it out. He knew that was a risky call, and he, he went for it anyway. And, and I think that actually builds trust between a coach and his players.
1: I agree completely. So I think it did. I think it did dramatic things in that locker room for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's my that's my second game, Darren. Wh- what's your number two?
1: Well, I am. You know, when we were talking about earlier um, biases coming out, I'll go ahead and get my biggest bias out of the way. <laughs> One of my <laughs> most enjoyable games of the season, uh, and and it really, honestly, ended up being a very p- pivotal pivotal game for one of the teams involved uh, and both teams ended up having a r- really nice seasons, but week three, uh, Tennessee versus Pitt. Pitt came in to Knoxville uh, and uh, was, there was all the conversation about uh, coming in, Pitt coming in to Knoxville, you know, playing an SEC team on the road. Uh, is it something that Kenny Pickett can stand up to? Is it a challenge that the team is ready for? And uh, even though Tennessee wasn't expected, obviously, to have the year uh, that they ended up having, uh, they still uh, were – there was expectations that this is a game that Tennessee uh, should win. Uh, And uh, there was all the conversation about this being a big moment for the the Tennessee team. And then Pitt comes in and just absolutely uh, uh, ruined – anything and everything that, that they were thinking would come out of that weekend. They won the game for, or, or that game, they won the game 41, 34. Kenny Pickett had almost 300 yards passing. Uh, and, and they really did a lot of things that they weren't getting credit for yet. Cause it was so early in the season. They were very efficient with the ball with zero turnovers. Uh, they were a- efficient from a penalty perspective. They averaged uh, all, 8.1 yards per pass, which is an incredible uh, stat. Uh, they, you know, they even threw some trick play plays in there. Uh, they were, they had a, almost a 50% third down efficiency. They really, that was a moment. Not only, obviously, did I enjoy Pitt coming in and, and and taking that win in Knoxville, but that was a really a moment for the the Pitt team that a lot of people started to to kind of pay attention and see that it's specifically. Their offense was going to bring a lot to the table throughout the process of the year. And I think it was honestly a really big moment for Kenny Pickett. There had already been some conversation about him, but he really showed what he was bringing to the table. And and there weren't going to be many tests throughout the process of the year that he wouldn't be able to stand up to and, and conquer. And so I think it was a, a very much a, a coming out um or a focusing in kind of moment for him, that more people gave him a little bit more attention and credit than maybe he hadn't been getting uh, in the past or leading up to that game. And uh, like I said, honestly, I enjoyed seeing them get that win in Knoxville. But for that pit team and Kenny Pickett, th- that, was a, that was a really big game, and it was good to see them uh, have that win and, and get that attention and kind of start to build that momentum to, to what was a pretty good season that they had.
0: Yeah, you know, regardless if Tennessee's having a good year or a bad year, Knoxville is a tough place to play.
1: Absolutely. I, I don't know if
0: a lot of people had this game on their radar initially. Both teams were not in the top 25 when this game was played. But, um, you know, Tennessee jumps out to a lead. Pitt has a monster second quarter. Right. It ends up being a seven-point win, and and I think you're spot on. Uh, the nation began to um, finally take notice of this Kenny Pickett yeah. guy. Who's
1: this Kenny Pickett? That's
0: exactly right. And I know, I know this is hard for you as a Vanderbilt fan, but what we saw was you know, uh, how Josh Heupel we, we began to see his coaching prowess as he brought his team back from this. I, I know they had some bumps in the road further on, but started to see, man, some good things may be happening in, in Knoxville.
1: Yeah, definitely, and you could see that, and, and saw a little bit of what they were going to bring. You know, the speed that they were going to bring, and 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 how fast they were going to run their offense. You really, uh, that kind of started to get some national attention, and and truthfully, you could see the pieces starting to come together to for them to have a better year. I, I don't think anyone except for maybe, you know, really diehard Tennessee fans thought that that they were seeing the pieces of what was going to turn out to be the year they had. But maybe that they were going to have a better year than was uh, anticipated because to change to Josh Heupel's offense, that's an enormous change compared to what they were doing, uh, you know, the season before. So there was a, that was a big, big change and they adapted to it and adjusted to it. I think, quicker than anybody thought they were going to. And it led to a, a much better year or a better year than they thought they, than most people expected.
0: I am so impressed with your objective commentary. That
1: didn't even hurt, did it? Hey, well, you know what? I, if it was any – I just – when he was at UCF, I decided I liked Josh Heupel, and, and I just – he he hopefully won't do anything while he's at Tennessee to make me change my mind. But for right now, I'm okay with Josh Heupel. <laughs>
0: Well, moving on to the third game, uh, my uh, number three came in week nine. Uh, that was October thirtieth, and it was a Big Ten battle: uh, Michigan State and Michigan. A good uh, interstate rival. Um, I know Michigan kind of looks at Michigan State as their stepbrother, and and so you have that that line of you know condescending attitudes from Ann Arbor, um, but. In this game, uh, Michigan State managed to pull out a four-point win with a 15-point fourth quarter. They held Michigan to three points in the fourth quarter. They scored 15, and which was really impressive because actually Cade McNamara, the quarterback for Michigan, had a pretty solid game, 383 yards, two touchdowns. But the difference maker, and like you mentioned about Kenny Pickett putting the nation on notice, Kenneth Walker the third put the oh, nation on notice 197 so. yards five touchdowns <laughs> including the game winner which was a 23 yard run with two minutes and four seconds left that left Harbaugh I don't think he was in tears I think he was really disappointed very much um, so and Michigan State comes off with a big win bragging what bragging rights and uh just a, a fun game from from start to finish from the Big Ten.
1: Yeah, it, which you don't always really, really get, right? right exactly. <laughs> and, and you know, to, to talk about it, you know to talk about a, a running back in a Big Ten game having a big game is you know that's that's something you kind of see. But like you said, both quarterbacks on both sides had really good games, uh, and and both teams really brought complementary football to the table. Good offense, good defense, and uh, like you said, man, it was just it was fun. Uh, uh, from start to finish and even down to like when that quarterback or when that uh, touchdown was scored with two minutes left, you know, that was just a, he, he got through a, a crease there in the line and just had daylighted and took advantage of it. Uh, and it, it was exciting, you know, even, even through through that seeing if, if something was going to happen for Michigan to, to kind of change the momentum in the game or, or, or take that lead back. But man, it, it was a great, great game. What about your number three, Darren? I am going to, uh, for number three, go back to our good friend Sam Pittman. Uh, and it is in week, again, in, I guess I really liked week three. Uh, in week three, uh, and this is, uh, or no, I'm so sorry, this is week four. Uh, this is Texas A&M versus Arkansas. Now, at the time, Arkansas was ranked, A&M was not. But uh, this was kind of a a turning point for A&M and uh, their things started to kind of turn around and and build to them having a better season. But coming into this game, uh, there was um, a lot of talk uh, about uh, what uh, Texas A&M could could bring and, and do against some of the things that we'd seen Arkansas do so far. And Arkansas... Uh, ended up winning the game 20 to 10. Uh, it, it was much a much more defensive battle than most people expected. Uh, and, you know, Arkansas really held on, uh, had over almost 200 yards rushing in the game. Uh, and, and, again, uh, the uh, Jefferson uh, that was the uh, uh, quarterback for Arkansas. Arkansas, uh, he had just an absolute ton of both rushing uh, and, and passing uh, stats and uh, contributed just a ton to the game. Uh, and they ended up actually with uh, over 240 yards uh, passing a- as well, uh, 440 yards of total offense. But, you know, one of the – you look at pivotal games, and I, and I told you or I said earlier that that was going to be kind of one of my criteria – one of the things that really made this game stand out to me is if you look at Arkansas's schedule uh, from, from a geographic uh, location, you know, here they are, they're Arkansas, so obviously they're going to try to recruit from Louisiana. They're going to try to recruit from Missouri. They're going to try to recruit from Oklahoma. Oh, they're going to try to recruit from Texas. When they won this game against Texas A&M in the fourth week, this was, they completed a, a, a total sweep of Texas teams on their schedule. They beat Texas A&M, Texas, and Rice uh, in those first Those three of their four, uh, first four games. So it was a very, not only did it set them up for uh, a, and give them strength going forward, even to kind of survive the Georgia game that came after that, the Ole Miss game that came after that, but it was a pivotal game when you look at now during this offseason when we're talking about recruiting, they can go and sit down and in living rooms in Texas and talk about the dominance that they, that they showed throughout last season. Uh, and, and I think uh, Sam Pittman is is an incredible recruiter. We use that to his advantage. It was a fun game to watch, but also a, an incredibly important, I think, game for Arkansas, not only in the season, but uh, a, as they move forward as a program. Mm-hmm.
0: And it's a, it's a terrific game every year. I love that they play at AT&T Stadium. I think yes. that's a great venue for that game. And, yes. Um, you know, there was some heroics in that game. Uh, isn't that the game K.J. Jefferson got bruised his knee and had to come out but wound up coming back in? Went end? back
1: in, yes, absolutely. That's it. Yeah, that was
0: definitely a good one.
1: Oh, it very much was.
0: So for my number four, I'm going to the uh, American Athletic Conference. And no, I'm not going to hit every conference, but uh, <laughs> it just has worked out that way so far. And what turned out to be a shootout between 19-ranked SMU and the Houston Cougars, uh, terrific game uh, back and forth uh, with um, you know the quarterbacks, uh, Tanner Mordecai from SMU, 305 yards passing, three touchdowns, Clayton Toon from Houston, 412 yards passing, four touchdowns. And and Houston had a receiver, Nathaniel Dell, 165 yards, uh, receiving three touchdowns in that 44-37 win by Houston. But what really was fun about this game, Darren, is SMU started the second half, started the third quarter. Brian Massey returns the kickoff for 100 yards. Oh,
1: that's right. Yeah, yeah. That was
0: that was fun. Late in the game, SMU ties up Houston with a field goal. There's seventeen seconds left. You're thinking, here we go overtime, <laughs> which if you love football, <laughs> you don't mind. That's okay. More. that's right. Houston uh, SMU kicks off to Houston seventeen seconds left, and Marcus Jones takes the kickoff a hundred yards. Uh, to win the game basically. Houston wins 44-37. But how many games do we get where we see two 100-yard kickoff returns for touchdowns
1: <laughs> and one of them decides the game, you know, is is yes. in the last in the last seconds. That's absolutely incredible
0: it was one of those where my wife says hey what you watching she walks through the room i'm like i'm watching houston smu she's like oh okay All
1: right. you know because
0: <laughs> i may look kind of lethargic on the couch and eating my, <laughs> my my cheetos and drinking my diet dr pepper and and then a few minutes later i'm screaming she's like what is going on I'm like this is
1: amazing <laughs> you must have switched games right <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what about you, Darren? What was your number four? Well, you know, I'm going to stick with that whole uh, uh, really pivotal games that you saw uh, make a big difference in in either, you know, the remainder of the season, whether it was short-term or long-term. But I'm going to go all the way back uh, to the uh, first week of the season, um, and that is the Georgia-Clemson game. Now, I know that most people think, oh, yeah, so you're going anti-exciting because that was pretty much <laughs> labeled as a boring game. But but when you look at that game for what it was, I mean, Clemson comes into that game as you know Dabo Sweeney and, and, and his coaching staff and, and and those guys that are on that team, they are uh, absolutely feared. You, you know, in, in most football circles. You you don't know you it's going to be incredible what they bring to the table anytime they line up. They they're known for prolific offense, known for incredible defense. And Georgia, who yes, had gotten a lot of attention. They were number five at the time. So it's not like they were these, you know, enormous underdogs that no one was talking about. But even with all of the conversation that was was taking place about Georgia. Over the process of the first three quarters, they held Clemson scoreless and then only allowed a field goal in the fourth quarter. Field goal in the fourth quarter. They did not allow a touchdown. Now, Clemson obviously did not have the year uh, that that we expect from Clemson. They actually rebounded rather well and ended up with a pretty decent year, uh, but not the year that we expect typically from Clemson. But that being said... In that moment, with the expectations coming into that game, for this Georgia defense to show not only are we deserving of the conversation that is around us, but we're coming coming in even hotter than that conversation. We're holding Clemson to no touchdowns. We're holding Clemson scoreless in three quarters. And I think that really put all of college football, and especially the SEC, on notice that this is a defense that you have not seen anything like before. And and they just continued to show it week and week. And as incredible as it is to think, and, and probably scary if you look through the process of season even to even think it's possible, they stepped it up <laughs> week after week. Their defense became even more fierce and scarier and, and held people to even, you know collectively as you looked and they start tack 3 and 4 and 5 games where you know single digit scoring and and I think this was the moment because people had so many expectations of what Clemson brings in even though Georgia was a topic of conversation I think this was one of the moments that this Georgia defense really made everyone stand up or or, or sit back and say wait a minute, this this could be generational defense, not just a good defense or even just a great defense. This could be a defense that we're talking about, you know, two decades from now. And, and, and they fleshed that out. You saw that through the process of the entire season. But I think this was the moment where everybody went, oh, wait a minute. Maybe we haven't even talked enough about these guys. And, and you know, they didn't have the greatest offensive uh, you know jt daniels only had 136 yards there were obviously some things they had to work on but from a defensive perspective they were incredible and exciting to watch the game may not have been the greatest in the world but man that defense was exciting to watch in that first game
0: yeah you're right it, it was a, it was somewhat of an ominous sign uh, mm-hmm. foreshadowing to the rest of the sec about the georgia defense and isn't this the game – didn't J.T. Daniels start at quarterback for Georgia? Yes, he
1: did. He started this game.
0: So there was still uncertainty at the uh, the quarterback pos- position with uh, – are you going to go Daniels or Stetson Bennett?
1: Yeah, and, and you could actually uh, – they, they had a decent night. They ended up with 256 yards. Uh, but, you know, honestly, uh, if it, they didn't have the defense they had it, pro- that, their offense probably could have gotten them beat. Uh, but, you know, when your defense holds Clemson to 180 total yards – it, it, then you know, it, it, then that's going to take care of itself. But you know, they had the offense had had two turnovers. Uh, the offense was really uncertain and and, and honestly looked sluggish. Uh, it, so even in the midst of all that, again, that just shows you how shows even much how, how much how incredible. Wow, I really stumbled over that one. How incredible the Georgia defense was from the word go. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that was definitely, uh, hmm, the antithesis of the Houston.
1: Yes. (laughs) uh, SMU game.
0: Definitely. So for my number five, and, and I admit that I'm biased and I included an LSU game. If you're not an LSU fan, you probably did not think this, this was one of the five best games of the season. and, And that's okay. You can talk about your five on your own podcast. Uh, but I decided to pick this one and, uh, and now as I look back at it, Darren, it's, there's so many little things running here. Um, so LSU ended up winning the game, 27 to 24. It was in Baton Rouge. Uh, A&M's quarterback at the time, Zach Calzada, had a solid game, 242 y- yards, three touchdowns. Mac Johnson for LSU, a little over 200 yards, but three touchdowns. Neither team had a 100-yard rusher uh, in the game. But LSU had wide receiver, Jarae Jenkins, who caught the ball eight times for 169 yards, two touchdowns, including the game-winning touchdown. Matt Johnson led the Tigers on a nine-play, 85-yard drive that took a minute and 38 seconds. And it culminated in a touchdown pass to Jenkins with 20 seconds left. It was amazing. My favorite was... Jimbo Fisher's expression on the A&M sidelines (laughs) because it's no secret that LSU was trying to gauge interest in Fisher to see if he'd like to come back to Baton Rouge. Fisher was rebuffing that. So it was a little satisfying win for an LSU fan. But think about this, Darren. Here's the craziness of college football and the transfer portal. Calzada is no longer at A&M. Right. Johnson is not at LSU because he transferred to mm-hmm. A&M. How crazy is that?
1: It, it really, it, you know, it just it sums up some of the stuff that we talked about last week. It it just adds, and hopefully, what ends up happening is the uncertainty that is created by the transfer portal will will create uh, hopefully a little bit more of an even uh, playing field. Uh, across college football where you know these guys can can go and 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 grow their talents elsewhere but yeah it's just crazy cuz i mean think about 5 years ago not even 10 years ago just 5 years ago that's not a conversation we're having that that two two starting quarterbacks in in one of the most exciting games of the year honestly cuz like you said that final drive was incredible and it was a night game in Baton Rouge and that's always exciting now, we might have a conversation that those two guys ended up not starting the next year because, you know, a freshman came in or younger, but, but are, that are just absolutely gone. You know, that's not even a conversation we had five years ago. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, what about you, Darren? What's your number five? All right.
1: Well, my number five, I I just had to, I couldn't believe it as I sat and watched it every time it happened. I kept thinking, or or, or every time the length of the game increased, it was like, okay, this has got to keep going till we, till we hit history. So I can at least say I've committed this much time to, to, to watching history, the uh, Illinois uh, Penn state game uh, that ended up with a final score of of 20 to 18 with uh, nine, overtimes uh, it was uh, to be very very honest a pretty boring offensive uh, nightmare of, of a regular the, the game the first four the quarter 1 through 4 but that overtime and the, just that constant tension and that constant excitement of uh, okay uh, n- nothing happened now nothing happened this time nothing happened through 9 overtimes to finally get to that ninth overtime and uh, Illinois scores, the two point conversion to go up 20 to 18. Uh, And it was just that, that back and forth, there will probably be some tweaking because of the, how, how quickly the, the, the sessions ended, you know, each overtime session ended and, and went that long. There'll probably be some more tweaking to the overtime system, I would assume, but man, did it build some excitement and some drama uh, you know, like I said, there wasn't a whole lot of offensive production. There wasn't a whole lot of offensive excitement. Uh, it, you know, the, the Illinois quarterback or, or one of the Illinois quarterbacks that played a couple of guys, but the guy that finished the game, Stakowski, uh, had 38 yards passing. Uh, to you know, so there wasn't just this ton of offensive excitement. Uh, but uh, they ended, did end up with almost 400 yards. Just really couldn't get in the end zone because of Penn State's. uh uh, defense but that that overtime to get to that many overtimes and to have so many of the overtimes that ended with just nothing happening both defensives stopping the other the other offense and and just seeing it it was just a constant build that really had an incredible final ending with that two-point conversion and it, it was just it made the whole game worth it to get to that overtime and it was it was very very exciting to watch
0: Darren, what possessed you to even watch that game in the first place?
1: (laughs) Okay, so we've talked about our biases, right? Uh, You know, sometimes if Vanderbilt's just not doing well – I watch a game just hoping to see James Franklin get upset. Is that is that honest enough for you? <laughs> <laughs> and that was the whole reason that game got turned on. If he loses this game, man, he'll be mad. And it worked out for him. <laughs> so, <laughs>
0: you know, um <laughs> maybe you need to go talk to someone about this business you have that, franklin. Might, that
1: might be possible because what was it 10 years ago he left that might that might be something i need to explore
0: <laughs> it was certainly a, a huge win for uh, the illinois program and Absolutely. Uh, what bila must trying to do there a crushing loss for penn state and james franklin um, but nine overtimes and you end with a 2018 game that like you said darren <laughs> it just blows my mind
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because, you know, what was the, the one before that that was the longest was a LSU. And mm-hmm. that final score was like 75-72 or something. I mean, it was just – it was crazy what the final score was. Yeah. Having so many overtimes.
0: Yeah, and I think that is the uh, – I think that's the last SEC game that Joe Burrow lost.
1: Yeah, I think that's right.
0: So – but, yeah, that was a crazy game. But – you know, that ended in the seventies and here you have this big 10 matchup and the winning team scores 20, 20 to
1: 18. The two teams combined didn't have as much as, as many points as one of the teams in the Texas A&M LSU game. (laughs) Mm.
0: Well, I think looking over these games that we've, in both of our lists, what we're reminded of is how fun college football is. Um, Definitely. The games are exciting. Uh, there seems to be very few dull moments. And so for those of you who are listening, um, we'd love to hear a game from you that you put on your top five that we didn't include. Um, we'd love to get your feedback and, and uh, tell us why, why that game you felt was a top five game for you personally. And, and we'd love to hear from you about that.
1: And you can email us at brewandshavers at gmail.com. Uh, you can also hit us up on Twitter. If you're a, a Twitter person, that's at Brewing Shavers as well. We would love to get that get some feedback and, and hear what game that that you think we missed and, and why. As Ben said, that would be great to get some get some feedback on that.
0: And, and before we close uh, the episode today, uh, we are so grateful for the ideas that y'all give us. Um, we 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 come up with ideas. We meet during the week. We talk throughout the week. What what do you want to talk about on upcoming podcast episodes and and, and a lot of times what we end up doing is because one of y'all, as, as our listeners, had a great idea. And so this whole discussion, Darren, came about from somebody suggesting it.
1: Yes, uh, JT, who is our... Um... Tailgating and, and Cooking Extraordinaire uh, was uh, in, a, in a conversation uh, that we were having. Just threw this out as something that, you know, as, as he's listening to us, uh, he's probably listening to this uh, as we are talking right now. And he'll be he'll be on a treadmill doing his exercise thing. Uh, and, and he has some ideas that kind of pop in his head. And this was one of the ones he threw out as, as something he would in, enjoy listening to. So we, we appreciate that idea. And it, it was fun to do. I enjoyed it.
0: Well, thanks a lot, Darren. I was uh, thinking about a little later getting a bowl of Cheez-Its, and then you had to mention someone on a treadmill.
1: (laughs) Thanks. Well, eat your Cheez-Its on a treadmill. Offset. Totally cancels. There you go. (laughs) I'm just
0: going to eat my guilt with my cup of coffee. (laughs) There you go. That'll work. Hey, thank you all for listening. Uh, We'll be back next Tuesday. New episodes drop every Tuesday morning at 6 a.m., We look forward to some more great discussions. Send us your ideas, your feedback. We appreciate you so, so much. And until next time, y'all take care. Have a great week.